Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Joining us now, Maurice Cormier, Mole Cormier in LaSalle. Mole, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Al. Thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. I've been reading all about you and your great-grandfather and this elevator that's being demolished down in LaSalle, and it was built by your great-grandfather. Yes, it has. Um, My uh, great-grandfather, Moise Cormier, and our great-grandfather, I'm speaking on behalf of the other six families, Cormier families. Uh Yep. So we're saying that my great-grandfather had seven boys. And he uh, moved from Quebec to LaSalle on a farm, a mile, uh, mile west of LaSalle, growing grain, and uh, he had a honey and cheese business. And he was a, quite an achiever. So eventually, uh, working on all this land and stuff with his boys, and uh, he was loading grain, was done on a platform by the railway by hand, shovel and scoop and all hard work. So I guess uh, to himself, he says, well, enough of this, you know. So (laughs) then that's how he decided to build a grain elevator. I'm sure that's how it worked. Hmm. In 1902, he he built the elevator. And uh, I guess so on, so on, everything worked out okay. And by 1920, uh, N.M. Patterson, at the time, they purchased uh, his business. But my great-grandfather, uh, did. I don't know if I mentioned, his first name was Moise Cormier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so anyways, he died before the business was sold. But then uh, when it was sold, my grandfather, Joe Cormier, uh, he uh, he was hired by Patterson to uh, as an agent for the next two years, and uh, then it turned out to be totally N. M. Patterson. Mm-hmm. And that's so I gotta, the, yeah, yeah. So I just I gotta ask you, Mo. Is it sad to see it coming down now? Is it sad to see that elevator uh, being demolished? Because over the years, I've covered a lot of these elevator stories. I've, I've talked to people that have painted them, fixed them up, tried to save them, uh, people who have been upset when they've been demolished and torn down. How are you feeling about this uh, elevator, which your great-grandfather built? Mixed feelings. Yeah, we all have mixed feelings. Now I see the town itself are turning more on my side type of thing. And feeling not good about losing that landmark. And uh, yes, it's it's everybody's taking pictures and this and that. And these people that are doing that are not familiar with LaSalle yet. You know, they've only been here a few years. I was born here right from the beginning. So yes, it's it's a sad thing to see it go. But there's good things ahead, I believe. It will turn out into a green space when the, the building is uh, completely gone and the grounds are leveled. And uh, with trees being planted alongside the street, will make it acceptable, you know, in our hearts. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yes. 
Uh, and I and I guess too, you know, I know uh, with other elevators, there have been people that have fought to keep them. But you, in order to do that, you really have to have a plan for it. You know, you have to say, here's what we're going to do with it. You can't just save it to let it sit there and and rot, right? You know what I mean? So I, I like the way you're looking at it. That it's sad to see it go, but there will be a great green space there now for the community. And I and I understand Patterson is sort of letting you have anything off the elevator you might want. I'm curious to know if you have you asked for anything in particular yet? Is there anything you've got your eye on? Oh, I gathered a few pieces, you know, for memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Talking agents, there's been agents uh, maybe a dozen or so since it started. Mm-hmm. My friend, my best friend, was the agent for 44 years, I believe, and he turned that business unreal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why when he they let, they let, like he retired now, but they could have kept this going. Right. Even though it's leaning, they could have fixed it because they fixed a lot of things before, which cost money, and this would have cost money, but he was making good for it. Mm-hmm. So it's too bad. The, uh, so his name yeah. is Henry Richot. He was there for 44 years, I believe. Wow. And, and many I, of those elevator men were like that, right? They they, they spent their entire lives... Uh, managing those elevators. And, and those elevators were sort of the hub of the community, weren't they, Mo? Oh, yes, they were. Well, of course, farmers. And also, yeah. yes, you're right, uh, it brought in business and stuff like that, and uh, mm-hmm. people grew around it. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. But How long do they think it's going to take to bring it down completely, Mo? What's the plan, well, do you know? I'm in close contact with the uh, the contractor, and uh, he tells me exactly. I don't bother him to see when are you doing this. He tells me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have also have to watch for wind. So they, you know, they gotta have the proper, uh, the, the the right weather to do it. Mm-hmm. So so he tells me. But right now they're doing things, and uh, it doesn't appear they're doing lots. But they all have to get done before it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Have they yeah. told you how long it might take start to finish? Well, the finish is leveling the grounds, I guess. Yeah, but how long? How how long before that might happen? What they're saying, uh, yesterday he said, told someone that, uh, well, maybe by the end of this week it could happen. Mm. Wow. But I doubt it because it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to get there, but what do I know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Mo, I, I really... I really appreciate you coming on today and and telling me about it and and it is sad to see these uh, old elevators go uh, oh, because yeah. they're a part of our our history. Um, but I like the way you're looking at this one and it will be a green space uh, for LaSalle and uh, everybody in that community. So Mo, thanks a lot. Yeah, and we still have the railway. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Maurice. Thank you. Hal, are you going to send me some stuff? Some stuff. What do you want? What do you want? You want a T-shirt or a hat or something? No, 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 no. I meant uh, email me some uh, whatever you're writing and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, this is, Mo, this was live on the radio. We're live on the radio right now. Oh, so right. I will I will send you the audio from this email. Don't you worry about it, Mo, okay? okay? that's fine. Because we never <laughs> All right, talked thanks. about it. So. Thank, okay, thank, thank you, Mo. Have thanks a good day. A lot.
Bye Old now. Cormier there making sure he gets the uh, he gets the interview. Um, that's cute. Um, we don't have any hats or t-shirts, Mo, so thank goodness you didn't ask for one of those because I couldn't have taken care of you. But I can send you the interview uh, by email. <laughs> A real, uh, uh, a real catastrophe. What, we, what we've seen is uh, cataclysmic. Uh, the, the magnitude, the impact of the explosion uh, is beyond belief. Everybody is talking about that blast in Beirut yesterday. We just finished chatting uh, with uh, Albert El Tassi at the Manitoba Islamic Association about local fundraising efforts. And now joining us on the phone, CBS Foreign Affairs Analyst Pam Falk. Uh, Pam, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. It is unbelievable. I mean, I just got off the phone with the Lebanese ambassador to the United Nations, Amal Mudalali, uh, who I've known for many years. She's been in uh, New York, but she's in Washington right now. She just said it's devastated uh, that 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 Lebanon had already had widespread unemployment, widespread right. uh, economic problems, and this is now up to about 135 dead, but it's, it probably will grow as the buildings are, um, uh, people are pulled out of the rubble, and um, maybe up to 4,000 people injured, and, and all of it from glass. I mean, so much of, I mean, the additional numbers, because she said there wasn't a building in Lebanon, that wasn't the glass wasn't broken. Yeah, I mean and in what Beirut, did, in and around yeah. Beirut, not through right. the whole country. And, and what did the ambassador tell you? Uh, it, it, is it as simple as negligence that that may have caused this? Well, you know, you've heard a lot of theories, and of course, right. in the first few moments, people thought it was a nuclear attack. The bomb, right. the, the the explosion, and the plumes were just so high; it was just—it's mind-boggling to watch it. But it was two thousand. I mean, they seem to think right now the focus of the investigation is twenty-seven hundred tons of ammonium nitrate uh, that was taken into the port, uh, taken off a boat um, in twenty thirteen for sanctions. Uh, in other words, they weren't supposed to have it on the boat. It's used in fertilizer. It's been used in many of the most famous bombings. Um, it is it is sort of the large version of a very high intensity of explosive that can be uh, purchased by individuals. So it was taken off the boat, and then nobody was taking care of it. And the theory is that this mismanagement of the load came in contact with a fire that had erupted from a fireworks, um, uh, uh, the um, fireworks in another part of the a warehouse in the dock in the same port, and then erupted. Now, negligence is what investigators are starting to look at. So there have been two um, detentions of port officials. And what the ambassador told me is that they've also put a ban on um, some of the other um, officials that might be involved so they don't leave the country. And that's what they're going to focus on. Now, you did hear some unusual comments, uh, one by President Trump saying uh, that, you know, that he felt bad for Lebanon and the attack, which, of course, was the first thing that came across everyone's mind this ambassador um, Amal was uh, with had worked as an advisor to Rafiq Hariri, and you know 
the uh, trial is going on in The Hague, the UN-sponsored trial of four um, suspects for his murder, his assassination mm-hmm. uh, 15 years ago. So, um, the, the you know, two plus two and PTSD and most Lebanese were sure. thinking it had something to do with that. But it doesn't seem to be that. But, you know, it will take a mass, uh, pretty big uh, forensics investigation. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the death toll. And, and I, I uh, listen, just seeing that explosion, I'm surprised we're only at, what did you say, 130 is the latest 135 number? 135 and 5,000 wounded is what yeah. uh, the health minister just said. And as I said to the local uh, member of the Manitoba Islamic Association here 10 minutes ago, you know, it's a part of the world where explosions are not uncommon. But with the video cameras rolling on this explosion and the entire world getting a look at the blast, the mushroom cloud and everything that went with it just minutes after it happened, man, has, has this explosion got the attention of the world, eh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, first of all, if your your community more than anywhere in Winnipeg is a very active uh, Lebanese community, and yeah. um, everyone there knows, but the rest of the world doesn't know that uh, that Beirut it was called the Paris of the Middle East. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very sophisticated city. It's a beautiful city. It's a half moon beach and this this beautiful architecture, and uh, it's just gone down and down and down in terms of economics and mismanagement and a whole host of other things after i mean that's after the 15 years of a war of 75 to 90 and so um everybody having been through bombings um and there's a lot of tension between lebanon and israel that has increased recently um there are lots of questions about um hezbollah and what to do about um instability within lebanon and then the economy just went down the down the tubes and so um there's the most of the hospitals. Uh, she told me all of the hospitals in Beirut are absolutely full. Mm-hmm. And we had heard from people on the ground that people just bloody and coming from not only the glass, but just um, built under buildings were turned away. And that people were now, the UN forces, for example, were transferred to, a, to two other hospitals outside of Beirut, one in the north and one in the south. Um, and the other piece of this is food. Uh, the the um, 80% of the grain comes in through that particular port. And so they're mm. going to have, she said they were now scurrying to get supplies in to the country for um, from other ports. And so there's there are a lot of things. The one heartwarming thing she said was that there's uh, donations coming in from around the world. Yeah, and we were talking about that here and there, uh, frantically trying to get set up an account so donations can be made here. Hey, Pam, thanks a lot for this. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens, and I think it will come out more in the days ahead. I'm an idiot. My bad. My mistake. Remember last uh, half hour there and I was saying, where is Chris uh, and Solowich? Our uh, supervising entertainment editor at globalnews.ca. He's a Big Brother fan. I'm a Big Brother fan. We were going to talk Big Brother. My bad. I even checked the number and I went, no, the number's fine. I'm not sure what's going on here, Sky. And then as we went to the news, I looked and I had 
the last two numbers flipped around. I even checked it, and it looked fine to me the second time. So I had a dyslexic moment, I guess. Uh, Chris Jansellowitz, I apologize. I have wasted some of your time, and I appreciate you finding five minutes here for us in the final hour. I will never get that time back again. (laughs) You won't. You won't, and it's my fault. Hey, uh, but I really do appreciate you coming on for a few minutes here because I I do want to talk about Big Brother. Listen, you you know, you cover the entertainment world, and and we are not getting a lot of new TV these days. So I'll be – we're big Big Brother fans in this house. My wife, Jackie, and I love the show, and it's part of our summer every summer. We didn't think we were going to get a season, and now we're not just getting a season. We're getting an all-star season, and that's one of my favorite kinds. I know. Wasn't that the greatest announcement ever? It was, uh, I believe, uh, late last week or maybe two weeks ago, where we got this sweet announcement out of the blue. And, you know, we just had this experience with the Big Brother Canada house where they had to shut down mid-season because of coronavirus. So we thought, hey, well, there's no way we're going to get any new Big Brother. And then here it comes. And, like you said, all-stars. So there's a lot of rumors going on. We don't know who the cast members are going to be until tonight. I believe it's 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time on Global. I believe um, Central time. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but it's going to be amazing. And we're going to get, we're going to find out who is going in. There's a lot of rumors. I'm not going to say who. But, uh, yeah, some of your favorites most likely will be in that group. I will just say right now that I hope Derek is one of them because I personally believe he is the best Big Brother player ever. That's And it, it's subjective, and there's a couple others that certainly give him a run for his money, but that's my uh, favorite player, so I hope he's in there. And that's kind of what I like about an all-star edition like this because you get to see players get a second, third, maybe even a fourth chance, I think, for some of them to try and, and do it again. Some of them have won in the past. Some of them haven't and want to win. And it's interesting to see because the games always change depending on who else is in there. That's right. And then they all have histories. You know, none right. of these people are new and they're not, it's not all foreign to them and they're not adjusting. They know what to expect, right? Yeah. So you get all the histories mixed together. It's really, really great. And I have to say, Hal, I agree with your Derek uh, assessment. He is also mm-hmm. my, um, well, I personally think he's the best player that I've ever played. Yep. I agree. If you don't get nominated once, I mean, really, <laughs> how can you really compete with that? You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, he's yeah. amazing. Um, I've heard I've heard rumors about Nicole. Uh, we all remember Nicole with the voice and the glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, she she might be coming. I've heard Tyler might be coming with the blonde, poofy hair. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I've heard also a rumor that they're going to be uh, again. None of this is confirmed, but initially, uh, when they first go in, they have to compete to get into the house. So it's not mm. just like they're going oh. and going to waltz in, but the rumor, and I saw this on Reddit, so of course sources are questionable, but um, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people supporting this idea that they'd heard this, that there's going to be some preliminary competition uh, to get in the house in the first place. So that Interesting. Should be wow, wow yeah. that would be kind of exciting, eh? And then I hope they throw a, throw a few old school contestants in there, like maybe an Evil Dick or a Janelle. You know, get get some people from the past and and throw them in there just for fun as well. I don't know if you saw Survivor this season. I don't know if you're a fan of Survivor, but they did kind of a similar thing where it was like the older contestants versus the newer contestants. Yeah. And wow, did those older contestants fail spectacularly? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and I gotta. Completely. And I got to ask you, but guy, I have to let you go because I know you got yep. something else to get to. And like I said, yep. I really appreciate you. Yep. Really, I've wasted a half hour of your day, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about who's the boss coming back, 
And I just got to get your thoughts on this. Whether you're a fan of the show or not doesn't really matter, but Hollywood has to come up with some new ideas. What What is with this reboot? I mean, there are some things you reboot for a reason. Other things, you're. I think you're rebooting because you're lazy. You got nothing better. That's 100% it. Um, it's, it all comes down to money also. You know, studios and, and, and anything else, they don't want to waste a lot of money with a new idea, a new unproven idea. So they go mm-hmm. back to these old stories, ones that were on for half a decade or more. Who's the boss was almost 10 years running, wow. um, So, which is shocking <laughs> looking back. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, don't, they want to rely on something that's already happened, that already has a fan base. We can tap into this nostalgia, right? So it seems safer. But I will say, point blank, that almost every single reboot that's happened, movies or TV, has been bad and has not succeeded. So my hopes are pretty low for who's the boss. Yeah, me too. Hey, Chris, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. No problem. No problem. Enjoy Big Brother tonight. Chris Jancelowitz, he is uh, supervising entertainment editor at globalnews.ca. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.